You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. Oh, feel it. Feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who? A fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now, please, get off this planet. Well, you still have a choice. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. That's right, folks. We are going back to the classic series this time, and we are going way back. We're going back to 1965, to be exact, when we are looking at the Time Meddler. It's interesting because it's the first time the Doctor has met anyone from his race on the TV show. And it's also a couple other firsts, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But let's introduce our crew for this week. Of course, we have the lovely and talented Mary Ogle. Hi, everybody. It is great to be here. How are you, Mary? I'm pretty good. I'm looking forward to talking about this one. Is this the first time you've seen it? Oh, yes. It is definitely the first time. I haven't seen a lot of Hartnell. It's interesting because it's my first time also. And let's find out if this man has seen it before. He's a wizened old Doctor Who fan, you know, so he's probably, you know, seen many of them that we haven't seen yet. Let's welcome Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. I was like, who is he talking about? I didn't know we had a guest on this week. Yeah, I've seen less Doctor Who than 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 either one of you. So uh, and I I was I made when I pulled up BritBox to pull this story up. I I was amazed at how little of first Doctor stories we've actually done that are still available to watch. I mean, we've covered a few, but there's still quite a number of out there that exist that we can watch. So, oh yeah, and we will, because <laughs> God knows when Doctor Who's coming back. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got the time. time. Exactly. But it is kind of too bad that nobody. Um, you know, I mean, we usually when we have guests on and they, they talk about their favorite episodes, their favorite stories and whatnot, seldom does the first Doctor come up. Now, it's interesting that, you know, very few people do come on the show and say, you know, I really love the Hartnell era. It defined the show. It made me love Doctor Who. No, we don't get that. Unless the person's really old, you know, and they watched it originally. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put it that way, but wow. Okay. Before I dig myself a hole even deeper, please leave us feedback. And you can feed, leave me feedback on that comment. Uh, for, please write us at earthstationwho at esonetwork.com. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Let's give a, also a quick shout out to our patrons. Thank you. Thank you guys for continued support. You can definitely find our patron at patreon.com slash network. And for as little as 25 cents a week, you can help support this show and all the other shows on the ESO network also. So it is a true plus. So it's very good to do that. So we do have no Doctor Who news this week. I can't believe it. Well, the biggest Doctor Who news that actually even came close to really thrilling is Chris Elkelston is on the uh, convention tour right now and he is going to tour after tour after tour i think he's you know accepting his doctor who passed finally and he is going to be at gallifrey this year well well, 2020 but you know it's technically this year you know it's the next one so coming gallifrey (laughs) exactly so he is going to be the headlining guest and that's pretty awesome for folks who definitely want to go see and I know there are tickets still available. It hasn't sold out yet. Hmm. Hotel might be a little more difficult, but you definitely could get tickets still for Gallifrey One. And folks, if you're a Doctor Who fan, definitely it's worth going. 
it's a great con being with people like-minded and Mary and I actually met for the very first time at that con. That's very true. So it was an adventure and it was seeing friends and we got to see the war doctor in the in and out uh, drive through. So it was pretty awesome. (laughs) And it wasn't even a cosplayer. It was actually him. So it was pretty awesome. Everybody loves in and out. Oh yeah, pretty much it. I've had conversations like that for yesterday, even at the con we were at, we were talking about different hot dog places and hamburger places around the country and in and out always comes up. So it was pretty cool. So it was interesting to hear. And I just hope those who do go to Gallifrey, please, you know, say to Chris, Chris and go, you know, thank you for bringing Dr. Who back. You know, he has tried to distance himself, but now he's coming back in the fold. And I'm going to come out and say this now, and I will gladly have egg on my face for this one. I predict Chris Eccleston is going to be at Dragon Con 2020. That's my Doctor Who prediction for the day. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. that'd be awesome. Well, it kind of makes sense. They've been going backwards with the doctors each year. kind of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> So, you know, I definitely think, you know, they had 10 at this year. So nine makes the most sense. And, you know, I know the folks at Brit Tracks don't have any control on who they get for guests or anything. But if they have a little pull, I think Chris would be a great get for the con. So so you think we might get uh, now is he touring by himself or he's not doing any events with like um, with Rose, right? With Billy? No. Gotcha. It's all him. I had friends actually who got to meet him about two and a half weeks ago over at the uh, convention in Portland, Oregon. I think it was Rose City Con, and he was a guest there. And well, that was appropriate. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> so I thought intend it was the pun. Awesome. I know, I know, I know. Own it, own it. Live, live the pun. I know. It's the punster is here. It's good. It's great. But other than that. Nothing new on the new series. Uh, They did reveal a new pop figure that's going to be exclusive for Doctor Who at New York City Comic Con next weekend. You're getting a a Tim Shaw. Why? (laughs) All the ones they could have chosen. I am shocked it was Tim Shaw, truthfully. I am shocked it wasn't Graham. Yeah. (laughs) I could see that. How have we not got a Graham pop figure yet? I am floored. It should have. He should have been the first one out. Truthfully, we should have Graham everything. <laughs> I, know, I, I know we're having th- three new ones coming out, including the Kablam guy is going to be coming out. But and a new and the Doctor wearing the goggles and such from when she was building the sonic screwdriver. Now that's cool. That one was pretty awesome. And then and it, the other Dalek, right? Yeah, the Dalek one is the third one coming out, but those aren't exclusives that are, they're just coming out. I think they're supposed to be out in November, if I remember correctly. Hmm. So definitely look for them and they'll be right under your Christmas tree, whatever you guys have. I don't know. So no, so no Graham in my stocking. Nope. Well, that's a different story, Mike. We could arrange that. I'm sure he'd be glad to show up on Christmas day for you. Something you want to tell us? (laughs) No, I just what crab in my stocking. <laughs> He'll be home for Christmas. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he's everywhere else. <laughs> so why not in your stocking? Exactly. <laughs> that must be a hell of a size of a stocking, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, you know, he's actually in real life much smaller than he appears on TV. <laughs> it's those darn special effects, I know. I know, I know. Uh, but that's awesome, though. So, yeah, so New York Comic Con, folks, you will get Doctor Who. And so it should be interesting. Um, still nothing about a holiday special. So it's already, as of this recording, the beginning of October. If we haven't heard anything yet, I don't think we're going to get it. This is just really disappointing. I mean, I don't understand why the BBC is just just kind of letting it go. 
Mm-hmm. They should have at least done a, a holiday special to whet the people's appetite for the upcoming season or something. Because they ended last holiday season with a great story. It was one of the better ones of the season. I agree. And, and to just continue off that for the goodwill and for us podcasters who would love to have something new. Anything. <laughs> a webisode. It would have been great. It would have been awesome. But... <laughs> That's what you're going to get. You're going to get a BBC special, an all-Graham Christmas. Dude, I was trying to drink there. That's just not fair. A, a very Graham, a very Graham a holiday. Graham Christmas. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. It's going to be one of those episodes tonight, folks. We really, you know, it's just... They're all going to dress up and do a variety show. Mm-hmm. Graham will be the star. Well, I was going to say we'd all dress as Graham, of course. <laughs> I, I I understand, you know, because I've said some comments online and whatnot that people think I hate Bradley Walsh. And that is not true. Oh, I, don't even, I, I don't even hate Graham. Uh, I just, you know, I mean, we've said it, you know, when we did our reviews of the episodes last year, I just thought that... He was used too much, and 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 actually, I can make a great case for him not even should not that character shouldn't even be on the show. But I certainly really, really love like Bradley is doing a great job uh, with what he's been given, and uh, you know I'm I'm all for him really, but it's just yeah, and it's no, just fun. I've I've never once thought you disliked Bradley Walsh at all. And because you even come out and say that, you know, during the reviews last season, it was just they wanted a strong white male, you know, to back up the doctor. Yeah. And it's not his put... fault that he's like a, you know, a white male. Exactly. No, there's nothing wrong <laughs> with Bradley Walsh. He's, he's great. And the character is great. It's that the character took over the show. Yes. Yes. And I think, you know, I mean, some people, you know, I think when we had, Certainly when we had Alan on and some other guests, you know, they're like, oh, wow, you know, we've become the anti-Gram podcast. And <laughs> I certainly, you know, I'm pro-Gram all the way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, less is more, right? Yes. Yeah, less Gram, more other companions, whatever their names are. <laughs> just, just more doctor. Yeah. Yes. No, it, it's interesting, you know, I would love to say, hey, you know, this is how we could have done Doctor Who better or different. And, you know, everyone has their own opinion. But, you know, I think, you know, I want them to have Jodie's time to shine, truthfully. That's the big thing with it. And Jodie's fantastic. I mean, when Mm -hmm. she's given something to do, she does an amazing job. Oh, very much so. Given given enough to do. No, you're not hearing an argument at all from that. And I definitely think you're, you know, I think they showed, especially in the the holiday special, how powerful she can be if she has the room to do it. And because I felt like Graham was pushed a little bit into the background in that one. And, you know, they focused a lot on Ryan and his dad. And, you know, Yaz was wherever. Yeah, but, poor Yaz is always... Wherever ignored, yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, I do think it's telling that uh, you know when they issued out the pop figures and a lot of the marketing, you know, I I think Jody is really well represented. I mean, there's tons of uh, Doctor merchandise uh, that she's you know that she's depicted in, but the companions are not. So as much as uh, marketing wise, they have they seem to have a lot of faith in. Jody as the doctor. I, I don't think they really have any confidence in in the companions right now, marketing wise. Agreed. Yeah. Well, no. I think that has a lot to do with the writing. You yeah. know, they just. But I was hopeful after the holiday special. Me too. That's like going in the right direction. Well, you have you know from the new series, you have all the companions made into pop figures. You even have a a Roman Rory, but you don't have any of the new Doctor companions. That's what I mean, yeah. Well, then again, you also don't have Bill or Nardo. So, 
Take that yeah, for what you will. Yeah, and and look, they haven't even finished doing like. I mean, I don't understand why they haven't. They are not issuing out more doctors. You know, like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like why they're we're getting Tim Shaw and not like the third doctor or the second doctor or, or yes the f- fifth doctor the sixth right. doctor well yeah. sixth doctor maybe but seventh or <laughs> but yeah i mean tim shaw i just come on oh wouldn't it be awesome to have a seventh doctor and ace pop figure set yes it yeah. would that yeah. would be really awesome ace with a little baseball bat exactly yes a little nitro nine mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> She would have to have the backpack with her, of course, you know? So I think that would be really awesome. And no, we don't want a Perry pop figure. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) But then again, I would love a Jamie and Zoe uh, pop figures with the the second doctor. Would be really awesome. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, have Sarah Jane, since you already have... Her in the from the fourth Doctor era have Sarah Jane in the third Doctor, doctor yeah. or Lish or Liz Shaw or the second Doctor or the third Doctor with the Brigadier, that would be awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't understand why uh, they decide how they decide what they decide to make pop figures of, but there's a little bit of work to be done there. And I don't, I, but I don't think we should attach anything to you know what they're marketing. Uh, just because it just doesn't seem to make any sense. Are you talking Are you talking about BBC or are you talking about pop? Uh, both, actually. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're just thinking, you know, these pop figures that are exclusive to, to uh, New York Comic Con are going to be so exclusive that we could just put anything out and people would buy it. And yet, sure enough, here comes Tim Shaw. <laughs> so we'll test that theory. Like if you see, like in a, in about three weeks, if you see Tim Shaw pop figures on eBay going for like two, three hundred dollars, it's like wow, they're right. But if you see like people yeah, going, they're going to be like two, two dollars. <laughs> that are people giving away for free. You know, <laughs> two dollars with purchase. <laughs> two two dollars free shipping. We <laughs> will pay you to take the Tim Shaw picture. Uh, exactly. <laughs> wow. All but right. They're going to be trouble, gonna be trouble marketing because there really wasn't a breakout monster uh, in this season. No. With every pop figure you buy at the Big Bad Toy Store, you get a free uh, Tim Shaw figure. <laughs> 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 we won't let you in the store unless you agree to take a Tim Shaw figure. Yeah, I can't think of anything. And yeah, and so we're getting two figures from uh from this season that just uh like of of quote unquote villains that I, I think just seem forced because they just don't feel like they're they're they've deserved to have pop figures. Yeah, I just I don't think they knew what to do because yeah. there just wasn't a, a a breakout figure. No, there wasn't. I mean, so besides Jody and Graham, <laughs> yeah, like the Graham ones would sell like through the roof. I don't understand. Like you know, they're just giving it. They're just like yeah, they're just uh, turning away money. That's what I keep on saying. Wow, that's really sad. Really, really sad. So, as you can tell, we're stalling for time because we want to fill somewhat of this episode <laughs> up. Because we never have any news. It's so sad. Yeah, no news. So let's we might as well just jump in with both feet into the episode. And let's go ahead and review, of course, the wonderful Time Midler from 1965. Ooh. I think it's good. It's It was interesting because this was all of our first time watching this one. and Yeah. And so it was pretty cool to see, you know, everything that was going on because this goes back thank goodness it was only four parts that's the first part you know I was worried because some of those first doctor stories you know go fairly long (laughs) but then again they just came off a huge huge story line with the chase which was Ian and Barbara's last storyline and so we get Vicky and you get introduced to Stephen 
Now, do you know if the chase introduced those two? Uh, Vicky was with it before. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah, because it seemed like Vicky, in this it did seem like Vicky had some a little bit more experience. Yeah, because Steve didn't know anything about the TARDIS or the Doctor. No, Stephen was a secondary character in the chase, and they thought he was killed, but he ended up in the TARDIS. Yeah, it looked that way, because, yeah, he said he was hanging on. On the like suddenly there was a knock at the door and they he was hanging on on the outside. <laughs> kind of remem- uh, reminiscent of because uh, uh, Captain Jack, Jack, Jack. Did, yeah does that like you know. Um, actually, I think somehow he was inside the TARDIS. He was stuck wandering through the TARDIS. Oh, you think so? Yeah, that's what it looked like because the doors he came through had doorknobs. If you notice the doors to the TARDIS on the outside, okay, don't. that makes a little bit more sense. Okay, okay. and everything because he said he was hanging on a knob and then there was a door in front of him and he just went in and he just kept on wandering and wandering. Oh, okay. I wonder, um, that was unclear to me too. I wasn't sure if he was hanging on to the outside or not. Yeah. So, so it was, so this is technically, you know, a new companion and you, who completely did not believe the whole thing about the time machine. Nope. No. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah I don't, th- I, I don't think he believes it until like a second episode. Or maybe third. Yeah, it takes him a while. He's a little slow on the uptake. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I've only seen, because I've seen the gunfighters. That's the only other one I've seen with Steven in. I've read the Target books with him in it, but I haven't. This is the first time I've, other than the gunfighters, that I've seen him in. And thank goodness we're not watching the gunfighters because him singing. Just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he he's a singer, is he? Oh, yes, he is. Ah, he, didn't get that impression at all. You won't from the gunfighters either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it it was interesting to watch this one. It was actually the first time they did a semi-historical one um, for Doctor. Yeah, sort of pseudo-historical. Exactly, because they mixed in sci-fi with it. And because before this, all the historical ones were actually true, straight-up historical stories. Yeah, and I think it it was it worked. I mean, I like this this episode. It was it was fun to watch, and Peter yeah. Butterworth was great. There were some interesting moments. I, I want to dial back just a little bit to the first you know the first few minutes where um, you know they're sort of uh, acknowledging that um, that the other two companions are gone, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and it's just the first Doctor and Vicky. And they they sort of you know he's like come here and they sort of have this like little bonding moment which is nice I I don't I can't ever recall me personally ever seeing the first Doctor have a bond like that with somebody he's very fatherly yeah and he's yeah like, yeah he's very fatherly towards her and and then you know when, when Steve bursts in it he's kind of like damn it. <laughs> like, like I don't, and I don't think he's trying to like make time with Vicky or anything like that. But it's like, it, it's almost like it's just going to be you and me. This is going to be nice because it really hasn't been me and just like you know a female companion or just a companion like the two of us for a while now. Not since this show started, and it's going to be really nice. And then all of a sudden, Steve burst in. He's like, ah, crap. Like, like <laughs> deal with another one. Exactly. He's like, oh well. But I mean, he's you know, I mean, he's all up for it. He doesn't like you know try to hit him with a rock or anything. No, thank <laughs> God. He saves that for, <laughs> so, for later. So that well, was good. I, but I loved it. He went, "That's the time rotor. That's the stabilizer. That's the chair. Sit in it." <laughs> and it was just like, "Oh, okay, Doc." And I loved how he was calling him Doc. And yeah, I was he didn't just like trying that. to make him look new. No. Not happy about that. I thought it was really odd. Hartnell was too caring and too soft with Vicky. I've never seen Hartnell do that. That's what I'm saying. He, he, yeah, he was like that. Surprised me too. Like I, that was a tender moment from him, which we don't get. I didn't see a lot of that before. So this is the first time as a first for me. And uh, Vicky seems all right. I mean, she seems you know um, uh, capable enough. I mean, yeah, they, she seemed competent. I mean, they they actually get to do a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah, yes, yeah, very much so. And I thought you know the the companions were fine in this one. Uh, they. Vicky was a little whiny at parts, 
but so was Steven at the parts. So. And, you know, but he at least was knowledgeable and, you know, he was able to keep to his own when he beat up that first Saxon guy, you know, in the wood, you know, it's like, he didn't even go, Hey, how's it going? He just went up and started like fist to blazing, you know, yeah, exactly. And it was just like, Oh, that's going to be a first good first impression. So, yeah, I mean, v- Vicky kept saying she was tired. She was tired and that got old. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. How many times have you heard a companion go, I'm tired, doctor? I'm tired. Doesn't, exactly. doesn't she look tired? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's about 40 years later, dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it starts here. No, just kidding. Um, I mean, it's actually, the plot's kind of, the plot is not, it's pretty simple. But, yeah, but that's okay. I mean, it works. It works for the story, and it, and it and Vicky and Stephen do move the story along, and they they actually get to interact with a lot of, of people, and you know, meet the villagers and all of that, and the monk. Go, they go in and out of the monastery. <laughs> yeah, a lot of going in and out of the monastery. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of back and forth, back and forth, and everybody just missing each other, and yeah, there was only three sets. Yes, yes. They just sort of wandered in between them the whole time. It was pretty obvious there was only three sets, (laughs) and they just wandered. uh, Well, four if you count the TARDIS, you know. But you don't, because that was just in the first. That was just in the first episode. That was it. He means the monks. The monks' TARDIS TARDIS was pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It actually looked cleaner. Yes, it did. Well, (laughs) it's it's as the doctor said, it's fifty years newer, because that's a Mark IV TARDIS. That's true. Uh, it, you know, I mean, his, tar- like I said, I mean, his TARDIS looks like beat up. Like it's another, and this is only like the third year, right? Or second year. This is the final, I think this is the final episode of the second, season, of the second, right? second season. Yeah. And that TARDIS looks like it's been through like 50 plus years of, of stuff. Um, I mean, it well, looks you, beat up. If you think about it though, this, you know, they didn't expect Dr. Who to last three seasons or two and a half seasons, you know, cost money to paint the TARDIS. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm, every time I see the Hartnell, you know, console, I always expect it to come apart in his hands. You know? <laughs> I'm sure it did a few times. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> and I, I liked it. I liked the, the thought, you know, you know, going in, that the doctor's meeting the first time someone else from his race. Yes. And, you know, somebody who, you know, the doctor, you know, all you knew about the doctor was that he had a time ship and that he was escaping his race, but you, they never said anything else at this point. And they don't really say a lot more here. Um, I mean, they kind of mentioned that, you know, he's one of them, but there's no, there's nothing else. There's really, no, I mean, obviously we have to wait much later until we actually get the name of the race and more information, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I think we mentioned what in the last episode that it, it would take Terrence Dix to come up with a lot of that stuff, but mm-hmm. um, uh, it's just amazing to me how undefined this is. I mean, they're just, they're, they're like, Oh, we got to introduce somebody to go sort of up against him, sort of like a, you know, villainous doctor, but they, they don't really give him much history. Um, his, his motivations are kind of weak. Um, and, and really, I mean, this would, <laughs> the, the master stuff later would make this plan look brilliant, but, <laughs> yeah. well, but it still I seems did... kind of random. I did feel a lot, though, that the monk was actually trying to better humanity. He was trying to speed things up. I don't know what for what kind of gain or anything, but he was trying, you know, like I was saying, you could see Shakespeare on T writing for TV. You could, you know, all these, you know, planes in the 1300s and, you know, all these different things. And there wasn't all that bad you know it wasn't he just wanted to he was nudging history along i'm sure there was some reason he wanted to other than mischief and getting in the way you know type thing yeah they didn't really discuss what his motivations were or and he wasn't considering the 
consequences of any of the changes. No, he's not at all. Doing it because because it amused him because he he just you know felt like doing it. He didn't really take into consideration how it might ripple through time and hurt other people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, and that's what I found really interesting. That it was just like, and I love how they kept on referring to it as his master plan. Oh. And, <laughs> and you know, it was like, oh, they it, that would have been cool if they somehow were able to tie that together. <laughs> it's no, this, Maybe it was the master all along. This, this makes too much sense for a master plan. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty straightforward. But, I mean, I mean, certainly, yeah. I mean, he's, look, he's going around collecting things from the past, and he's not above doing that. And we don't know what else he's, what other damage he's done um, because he's been around doing a lot. It almost seems like you get the impression though. He kind of feels like he's stuck there for some reason in the first, the first part of it, you kind of feel like I felt like he was stuck there, but then later on you find out that he, you know, he could probably leave at any time. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was kind of weird because he was so excited to see the TARDIS when it showed up, it was like, Ooh, you know, it's like, Oh, did he need like how it always was with the master? Oh, I need something from the doctor's TARDIS or something. Yeah. That's what I felt like too. He was like, he was thinking, Oh man, now I can get out of here. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And he even went up to the, tried to get into the doctor's TARDIS and he says, you keep your TARDIS locked. You know, that's not very trusting of you, you know? And it was just like, I thought the performances were great in this, though. They were. I agree. It's, Edith was good. The village, the village woman mm-hmm. was good. Peter Butterworth was great as the mm-hmm. monk. I mean, he really he had this sort of nice comic edge to him. He did. He did. And he was threatening, but from like a very like, you know, he had a comics face, but he was very dangerous behind the mm-hmm. eyes type thing. And I loved it when he captured the doctor at the very end of the first episode. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. And everything. It there was, was a, cool. there's a bumblingness to him that like would really come into play maybe later with the second doctor. Like I, in a, in a lot of ways, he feels like more of a template for what the doctor would be than Hartnell is. No, you you were exactly right. There was a few times while watching this, I felt like I was watching, you know, Troughton completely. Mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, his character was just, he was almost like, I had to look again. That's not Troughton, is it? You know, <laughs> playing the role because yeah. he, had, he had the bumblingness and the, ooh, hello, doc, you know. Yes. But the only thing I will say, he didn't. He didn't have a moral center. No, 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 not at all. No, 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 that not not in that respect. But in some others, I just felt that you know that he because he offered that alternative, and I also think that I mean you're talking about the performance and everything, and I think that's spot on because I think he had some definite some chemistry with Hartnell to the extent that. Like, I mean, I've seen, like I said, I, mean, I haven't seen a lot of Hartnell and, and there was some really surprising moments to me in this one was when he was tender with Vicky. And then later on when he goes up against the monk, like there is this really great one-on-one chemistry with them where they're trying to outdo one another that I was like, this is, this is awesome. Like for a, a Hartnell story, this is really up there for me. His performance, I thought, was amazing. I mean, you get, you know, later on, he starts like messing up, and you know, it seems like he's kind of tired of the role or whatever. But, but here, it seems like he's energized by it. Um, I mean, there's still a few mess ups, but you know, I mean, Slive, whatever, you know, it's that's mm-hmm. the way that the things were recorded then. But he said he has an energy to him that uh, you don't see in the later ones. Yeah, I agree. Hardinal is delightful here. He is just he's just fun to watch. And he seems like he's like like the challenge of somebody going up against somebody like that. He is excited by. Yeah, he's well, exactly. engaged. I mean, he is fully engaged. Yeah. It was the matching of wits between the two of them. Yeah, they were almost equals in a lot of ways. And I love you know how he you know ended up damaging the ma- oh I almost said the master <laughs> but the monk's TARDIS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was, that was brilliant. That was awesome. 
because you think about it prior to now he's pretty much just gone up against people who like, especially when they go back in time of people who he does not feel like he's equal to, right. They are equal to him rather. Right. Mm -hmm. He, they're, they're all his inferiors. Mm -hmm. I think this is the first time that I can recall that he engaged someone that he felt was equal to, or somewhat equal to his, his intellect and capability. Well, there were times that I felt like, you know, on Hartnell, that the, the Daleks were the closest that were, you know, equally, you know, but they were just pure maniac, you know. Yeah, you know. It's, not, it's not the same. No, no. Yeah, that's just interaction. a Right. That's like a, that's like fighting a hurricane. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Good point. That is true. And it was, but it was interesting because I did feel there was, they, they almost felt like, I hate to say it, that they were, you know, they were admiring each other at different points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Oh, I agree. And it was just, it was great to see that. And it was, I loved it when Hartnell had the stick in, in the monk's back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. I have this pointed to you, and then the, when the monk turned around, he says, "Yes, I know it's a stick, but it could still hurt you a lot." <laughs> I know he, <laughs> it, it still worked. I was like, "That you know, he's that it, that was weird." Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but, you he know. Knocks, and he knocks a Viking out. <laughs> yeah, the doctor got physical. It was awesome. You go, he didn't doctor. even have a rock with him. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need no stinking rock. No, but it, it was cool to see. And I loved how, you know, Vicky was able to figure out the secret uh, passageway in the cell. Mm -hmm. And And she's, she's like all old castles and monasteries have secret passages. (laughs) Don't know how you know that, but okay. Exactly. So you say, so it was good. I, I have nothing bad to really say about this episode. It was, it moved very quickly. I was shocked already when the first episode ended already, you know, it was like, wait, this just started. What do you mean? Yeah. It moved right along. Mm-hmm. Well, you had that big preface, right? So you had the big preface where they're introducing kind of reintroducing them and they're saying goodbye to the other companions. So you've got this like big 10 minute thing. And then, so you've only got 15 minutes or so to come up with the first really episode to get started. And, so yeah, I, that did move fast. It felt because it felt like it was broken up. Um, but I also like. I'm curious because uh, I mean, even though I know uh, quite a bit about English history, this period I know nothing about. So it's interesting to me to to sort of see that from that perspective. I mean, I don't know how you know true it is to actual events, but um, you know, it was kind of it was kind of cool to see. You know the the Saxons and uh, and then you know the Vikings led by Odin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thor is going to be so pissed that Odin got killed. <laughs> or, or so didn't you get a didn't you get a Brothers Three vibe from uh, those three guys, Mike? Oh God, yes! I thought Thor right away, and it was just and it's when the guy can't climbed up the hill and he had the Viking helmet on and everything. Yeah, it was like, yep, definitely, we got Thor coming to to fight the Doctor. So it would have been interesting, but it it was it was fun to see Doctor Who do historical, but. You know, tie kept on tying it, and I'm glad they didn't have to keep on going back to the TARDIS. And the doctor was like, "The TARDIS is going to be fine. Don't worry, it's waterproof, and <laughs> nothing yeah. could get into it." That was cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was cool. I don't know if that was the first time though that they actually said that, or because you know, you know, is the was the that the TARDIS was indestructible. You know, that nothing could get into it. Yeah, I don't. Well, no, no, no. So I, I don't know if I liked Hartnell as like the grandfather lovingly type character. It was, I liked the characterization. I think everyone played well off each other and everything. And this is one of those that had to be restored. 
because it was in really bad shape when they found it. Yeah, mm. didn't they? They found it sort of piecemeal. Yeah. And, and, and you could, I mean, even even well, the copy on BritBox wasn't the greatest quality. Even, I mean, you could see it, but you could see where it was deteriorating. No, definitely, and it it was interesting. They there was a scene they had to cut twelve seconds out of this the scene where the Saxons had the two um, Vikings surrounded. Um, they, um, the film was so bad shape. They had to cut it out that, you know, the scene where the Vikings got killed by the villagers because they showed it. Hmm. And, you, and you heard them screaming and everything. So I, I, I swear, I, you know, it was really surprising to me and I was kind of disappointed that they didn't, it didn't pan out when the Vikings first attacked the Saxon village. Uh, I thought, uh, I thought Edith was dead and I was like, Oh the man, they just killed Edith. But then she got better. Um, and yeah, I was I like, she was, was almost dead, dude. Come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling much better. I mean, I liked Edith and I didn't want to see her die, but I felt like that was kind of a cheat when she was like, Oh, I'm fine. I feel like going out for a walk, you know? <laughs> See, episode two was the only episode that survived this mm. originally episode one, three, and four were reported missing, but they found them in Nigeria of all places. And it took them years to restore them, though. I am so glad they recovered them because this is such a good story. Yeah, this really is. It would have been a real loss not to get it back. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it was interesting that they, you know, that they had it. um, But thank goodness in 1992, they found it. (laughs) So it wasn't missing for all that long. You never know. You never know who's, you know attic they could find doctor who episodes because <laughs> there's so many still missing yeah we're still looking exactly but it episode be... two is is that the episode that hartnell's not in yeah there's one that's hartnell's not in yeah he's not in the second one because uh, because it's really funny because that's when the one where they go to the cell and they find it like and it pans down and he's gone and it's like yeah, he's really gone. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's gone. That's that's his week of vacation each month, you know. <laughs> well, apparently he they, there was some production problems with this, and he actually um, uh, faked having a tantrum so during the making of this. So, so you know, I mean, you know, Hartnell being Hartnell, but mm. uh, <laughs> good point. Good, but point. it didn't it didn't affect the performance. Like in the performance, he's he's less grumpy. Than I think I've ever seen him. Uh, he seems more excited by the the idea of where they are, exploring, finding out where they are, and then once he does find, where, like the challenge of proving to Stephen that they are that are, they're in a time ship, and then kind of getting that proof, and then once he discovers that there's something else going on here, because it's almost like when he hears the monks, he like that's a recording, like he knows. I know mm-hmm. that's probably putting way too much on this, but it, it feels like it because he has to investigate it right away. It's almost like, I recognize that piece of music. Why is that playing here, you know? Well, I think it was, if I remember correctly, when he was sitting, you know, waiting for the woman to bring him food or something like mm-hmm. that, he was like, he was listening to the, he could hear the monks. Right. And and the monks, it got warped or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. There's a- in it. Yeah, there was a skip in it. And he was like, he was like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's a skip in it. So he just would be like, hey. Exactly. He's like, wait a minute. I know monks are punctual, but skipping? (laughs) But in true doctor form, he doesn't have a what face on it. Instead, he has a smile like, I Uh love, like like this, there's something going on here. Awesome. I can't wait to investigate it. He was just kind of waiting for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like the Sherlock Holmes, like Watson, the mystery is afoot, you know? <laughs> yeah. So he's, uh, it was actually pretty awesome. I, it seems I, like everybody's having a good time here. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's enjoying this story and you can tell that they're really. Especially they're the guy who got hit with the ax and, you know, <laughs> like 
and the Odin guy, you know, they were all enjoying themselves. Well, Vikings are dropping right and left. <laughs> exactly. Well, they were going to get hit with neutron bombs, so, you know. Yeah, that, that was a little out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, that that was, you didn't have to use a neutron bomb. It's a Viking ship. It's not like, you know, an aircraft carrier. Exactly. It's like, yeah, you would have just like, they would have been gone. <laughs> but, yeah, it it was interesting. I would have loved to seen the monk come back a couple times, like a recurring villain for the Hartnell doctor. Yeah. Well, he still could come back. I mean, not the same. Well, the actor's kind of dead, but if you let me finish played by a different person, he can regenerate. Exactly. That is true. I I know that whenever you see monks or anybody like in monk robe, in Doctor Who, especially in New Who, people is it the, are like, the, the fans are like, "It's the monkeys returning!" <laughs> like it's you know, and I know that Stephen and and all them have teased that on occasion because they know that you know that that's something that's out there. It's that's very the much like reason he brought back the headless monks. Yeah, maybe because <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean it, it it's got that even this one episode as as slight as it might have been, heck, as as much as it might have been lost to us almost still has an impact because uh, people are still waiting for the return of the monk. Well, it says a lot about the characterization that it still resonates. Yeah, that's what Chris should do. There you go, Chris. (laughs) We've written your next episode for you. Well, it's interesting. In a lot of surveys that they've done of fans and such who they ask, like, what villains that have never come back that they'd want to come have come back the monk and this also the celestial toy maker are the two that are requested to come back the most which is interesting i think i think graham might be the monk (laughs) (laughs) it would make sense (laughs) wow (laughs) just saying yeah of course so we're we're going down even more a sillier path, folks. All, all of next season is the Graham arc. It's just Graham re- is revealed. Graham to be the and because like he's revealed to be the monk. <laughs> he's the hey. impossible guy. Hey, at least he's not the Valyard. That's all I have to say. Okay. Okay. That's how you know the show's over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so speaking of that, any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Don't bring back the Valyard. Yeah. Oh God, help us! They have in Big Finish multiple times. Yeah, they have. That's true. Has do we know? Because I'm looking here and I don't see anything. Because usually, uh, you know, Wikipedia and some of the other stuff we've seen online is is pretty good about uh, talking about you know other things. And I can't. I I find it very hard to believe that Big Finish has never brought back or you know had the monk in there. Nope, not at all. That that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing that that the monk is still out there as something that can be used. I, I can't believe that nobody nobody has actually jumped on that. We don't even have a monk pop figure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably get a Graham one before that. <laughs> or damn straight, you know, get Tim. But you know, we get Tim Shaw before we get a monk. Yeah, what's up with that? I mean, if you had to choose. <laughs> oh, hold, 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 hold. Doing some research while you guys were chatting there. Uh, Big Finish has done monk stories, actually. All right. See, I oh, figured that must have had. Yeah. The Eighth Doctor actually discovers a new incarnation of the monk in the Big Finish Productions audio drama, The Book of Kells, and voiced by Graham Garden. The monk once again is pretending to be a human monk. He's trying to say Shocker. Graham. I'm like, what? What? Voiced by Graham. I'm like, he is the monk. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Wikipedia needs to, somebody needs to enter that into Wikipedia. Because, but it's uh, interesting because he also has a companion who ended up being the doctor's companion from other big Finnish, Lucy Miller. So it's pretty the monk awesome. Has a companion? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so it's interesting. Um, he also appears in the Resurrection of Mars. 
and which is about a ice warrior story, but he is also involved with that one. So it's pretty interesting. And I think he's in a couple other ones also. Well, he's a great character, so I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they that Big Finish did stuff with that. I know the early adventures has done stuff with him. He's appeared in also the role-playing game that they did back in 1985. And the basically that one, though, they were saying that the monk was an early incarnation of the master. So... Well, he is, I mean, just story-wise, he is kind of proto-master-ish. I mean, you can see elements there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, also, in the Doctor Who monthly comic, they he appeared, and he went up against the fifth Doctor. So the monk gets around. He does get around. So it, it's hard to give, keep a good monk down, what can you say? <laughs> so... With that being said, He's, let's he appears in another Doctor Who episode. He's in he's the monk appears in the Daleks Master Plan. Does he? Yep. He appears in the um yeah. Uh da, 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 da. yeah. So the TARDIS next arrives on a volcanic planet where the doctor has a run in with his old enemy, the meddling monk who attempts to sabotage the TARDIS in revenge for the Doctor previously stranding him in the 11th century England. Wow. Yeah, so he actually shows up uh, a little bit later, but unfortunately, uh, Dalek's Master Plan is missing uh, most of it, so we'll probably never see it unless it's you know recovered. But uh, yeah, hmm. he, he does show up again. So yeah, just one more time. Mm-hmm. See, that's what we knew. <laughs> because <laughs> and yeah because i was looking at to see what else the actor had done and it said that he would played the monk in two stories and i'm like what uh, yeah because he's so. been played one two three different actors in the in the audio and then of course peter butterworth in television so gotcha so pretty cool so you never know. You can't keep a good monk down. So. <laughs> the monk right. will return. Exactly. Do, 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 do. <laughs> right. So let's go ahead and rate this one out of five TARDISes, one being the worst, five being the best. I'm going to let Mikey go first tonight. Uh, I'm going to give this a solid four. Um, it is, like I said, it is one of my, like my favorite William Hartnell performances as the doctor like this one shows that he has more of a range and that it has more elements of the doctor that we are familiar with um too often I've seen you know first doctor stories where he's just a grumble and uh uh and and not really excited about about you know life in general really or dealing with companions or anything like that it just seems like it's all a nuisance to him but in this one, he, he seems uh, very excited about the challenge. Uh, the fact that this is the first time he's really ever challenged uh, by facing um, someone of his intellect in a, in a historical story is just amazing. Uh, so that's an amazing first. The companions are not annoying. So that's always a helpful thing. And uh, they're not super awesome, but they're not annoying. So... Um, and you know, the, 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 the storyline, the environment, the Vikings and the Saxons and all that is pretty, is pretty good to have in the background, uh, as a story. So, uh, overall I'm, I'm giving it a four. Okay. Mary. I am also going to give this one a four. I, it's really enjoyable. It's my second favorite Hartnell story. The Aztecs is my favorite. And also it's, I mean, the doctor's interaction with, with the, with uh, Edith and with the monk is just, it's, it's such a pleasure to watch, watch it's, it's Hartnell at his best. And, and if you're introducing somebody to Hartnell, I mean, I, I would say this is probably a good one to show them because he's, he's really doing his best here. And it's, I would highly recommend this episode. So yeah, good solid four. Okay. <sighs> Damn it. We're all agreeing again. <laughs> I hate when that happens, but I'm going to have to give it a solid four, too. It was enjoyable. It moved really fast. 
like Mike said, the companions weren't all that annoying. And Hartnell was great. And the chemistry he had with the monk was awesome. And, you know, I wish we could see the Dalek master plan, but th- there's too. only there at that's a 12 part story folks. <laughs> and there's only three episodes available. The other have been eh, we can't missing. Villain. <laughs> we'll just imagine the rest of it. Why, you know, that would be so ambitious if they went and animated. Oh, wow. That would oh, be yeah. a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's, you know, it's nine episodes that they would have to do. Wow. And it's just, it's just awesome to think about how fast and everything. And it's interesting because, you know, how vast it was. And that's the, was the longest story till they did the, of course, the, uh, you know, the end of time. So not the end of time. What am I saying? <laughs> that the, only seemed like the longest story. Yeah. No, the last up uh, Trouton, the war games. War games. Yeah. And so, but it was, it was just interesting to see. And I would love for us to eventually get to somehow see that. Yeah. There's, there's books out there. So I would much rather see that than uh, you know. I mean, look, they got More they're putting Graham. they're putting out <laughs> they're putting out uh, Trial of a Time Lord on Blu-ray. It's like really can't you spend that money and restore this thing? Yeah, okay, all the things you could put out on Blu-ray, and that's that's <laughs> what you choose. That's what you choose. Mm, hell, you know, it could be worse. It could be the best of Perry or something like that. <laughs> Oh, you know what else I forgot to mention about this story? That would be a really short DVD. That I that, that are ten minutes that I really liked was oh, you're ambitious. The, the secondary characters, the villagers, they aren't stupid. Like a lot of times, you know, they come across as just you know the doctor tells them what to do, and they're just too stupid to do anything by themselves. But the monk tries to pull one over on them. He tries to get them to light signal fires with a really lame story. And they mm-hmm. did not fall for it. Not at all. No, I was actually shocked. It was like they were like, "No, we won't." And it was like, it was like, "Oh, they're smart." And then the one, you know, them not figuring that the doctor was actually working with, you know, the Vikings. Mm-hmm. You know, they were scouts, and it's like, no, they weren't. The old man, I trusted him. And so it was yeah, actually it was, nice. it was nice to see because mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be two episodes of that. You know, it's just like. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, no confusing identities this time. It's good. That happens at least a hundred percent of the other times. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to wrap up the episode for tonight. Thank you everybody for joining us. It was actually a lot of fun talking about, you know, the time meddler. It was great for the first time for all of us seeing this one. We definitely want to hear from you. What did you guys think? Please write us at earth station who at esonetwork.com definitely uh join us again in two weeks when we are going to be back and we're going to the david Tennant era and we are going to be looking at midnight it should be a lot of fun to look at that one the one that i used to call a one act play it could have been you know just Mm -hmm. one on one set and everything so it would be interesting to see and you know want to thank my co-hosts for everything they do they are awesome people of course let's thank mary ogle Thank you so much. This was a great episode to talk about. Anything you want to promote? You can find me at mariogo.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. Awesome. And Mr. Mike, thank you as always. And as always, it's my pleasure, especially in this case, because this is exactly why I love doing Earth Station Who podcast, because we get to review really fun stories uh, and talk all about them. Um, and there's still like, it gives me hope, you know, sometimes I'm thinking, man, I think, have we seen all the good ones? <laughs> you know, I mean, I have wow. seen, I've seen a bunch, but yet I'm like, have I seen all the good ones? Are there, are there like really cool ones out there? And, uh, yes, there are at least, you know, <laughs> this proved that yes, they are. And, and, and of course I, I just love talking it and sharing it with you guys. That's awesome. So, Definitely join us back in two weeks, and we will see you next time on Earth Station Who. Peace. And we're done. Boom. Woo! You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. 
All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. I'm Joe Heath. And I'm Tony Heath. And we host the Watchathon Arasalon. A journey through all of Doctor Who, one serial at a time. Listen in and you will learn about two facts. Tune in and hear our Find out how little we actually know about science, history, Doctor Who, and pretty much anything else. The Watchathon of Rassilon. A proud member of the ESO Network. Available wherever you get your podcast fix. Keep calm and rassle on. Goodbye, and I love you. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.